Hi folks, welcome to All Class. All Class is about all things alternative investing. If you're an active investor, you've no doubt noticed that almost anything can be invested in nowadays. The whole point of this podcast is to help you not lose your shirt and maybe even make a dollar in the process by safely onboarding to all these new investment classes and vehicles that are out there. In our first episode, we're interviewing Adam Draper of Boost VC. Adam is a comic book aficionado, but more importantly, he actually studies the characters within the comic books and sees them as franchises. And you're going to learn from him how to spot characters early on with the potential for longevity and huge, huge enterprise value. Adam's been doing this his entire life. In fact, you're going to get a sneak peek of his comic book, his literal comic book closet. And you're going to learn about the origins of Spider-Man, Stan Lee's origins, which I didn't actually know about before, uh, and even the Canadian version of X-Men. So Adam's going to take you through his history of comic books, how to think about them, how to value them, uh, and how to sort of formulate the basics of of an investment strategy. We really hope you enjoy this episode. Adam is a very dynamic speaker, and we do hope you enjoy all class. More interesting topics are on the way. Fantastic. You were saying your card collection? What kind of cards? Well, yeah, right before, right before this, I was uh, I was reviewing some cards uh, that I, I always have. Like this is this box next to me is a bunch of cards uh, in it, and the uh, and then Don Russ, the, Don Russ, or and, and so I've, I've cased all these cards throughout the history of me existing, and mm. the uh, and I keep thinking that I'm an awesome collector of cards. Um, but then when I w- I'm going back and looking at the values of these things, it's uh, it's a, it, it's not a, they're not as good as I thought they were. I, I do have a couple <laughs> prize possessions. I have a Kobe Bryant Topps Finest rookie that I've held for like 20 years, and then I have nice. a Randy Moss rookie Interstate Refractor, which is both of them are like a thousand dollars. Okay, if, if all right. Graded. Which is great. I mean, yeah. you know, I. That means my twelve-year-old self was doing awesome things. So that's a great. nice return on that two dollars that you would have spent on that pack. On the pack, yeah. Two, Actually, two, I, have two, funny, two I, have a, I have a funny story. My brother. So I, I pulled. Uh, uh, so the most expensive card I've ever pulled was two years ago, actually, and it was uh, yeah. Luca Doncic, rookie. Um, oh, sweet. And. And it was signed, and it was one of twenty. So there were only twenty others of that card. And my brother oh, wow. knew what I had, and I didn't really. And so he he uh, he bought it off me for for I was like two thousand dollars. Wow, yeah, no, I'm gonna sell this. And then he listed on eBay, got it graded, listed on eBay, and it sold for ten thousand. So he 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 knew what he knew what it was. He knew what nice. it was, and I didn't. It was basically little, little family hustle there. Oh yeah, I got hustled by my brother. Oh, Maybe that's a good segue because I haven't actually introduced you yet. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is <laughs> this is Adam Draper from Boost VC. Adam, thanks for joining on Alt Class here. Uh, very new podcast. You're one of the uh, one of the first guests. We're excited to get this thing off the ground. It's for all things interesting pertaining to alternative investment vehicles, which you sound like you might have a couple in your pocket. Yeah. Well, I. I, first off, I like being on, on podcasts first, so that uh, so that I'm one of the earlier uh, adopters. I like believing in people first. So this is great. Uh, this is, you, you you've achieved my goal for the day. The uh, 
and then on alternative investment stuff, yeah, I've, I've, I'd say my hobbies over the last life have been mostly alternative investment vehicles, whether that's Monopoly or comics or trading cards. So, okay, like okay, all or venture capital. I should probably mention that's what I do. So I'm a venture capitalist and I invest in startups. Yeah, I'm going to ask you about that in a minute too, because apparently not just any kind of startup. Apparently, sci-fi startups. Sci-fi. We'll get to that. But first, back to the family hustle. So your, your brother hustled you. Uh, it's a nice segue because you've got a very enterprising family. Okay. A lot, a, yeah. lot, a, a lot of history of a lot of uh, sort of interesting ways at looking at companies or assets or thing or both. And uh, I'm, I'm curious, what kind of household did you guys all grow up in? Uh, well, the same one, it turns out. Uh, but the... So, I mean, we were raised on uh, superheroes and uh, board games. So that was probably a majority of how we got our skill sets. But my, so long story short, my great-grandfather was the first VC on the left, on this coast, uh, the West Coast, which uh, used the GP... LP structure, which uh, had never existed before, which is what all venture capitalists use. So that's pretty mm -hmm. cool. Um, my grandfather was a venture capitalist, uh, and he ended up being one of the founding members of Sutter Hill Ventures, which is still in existence today. With uh, they did, like they were the majority owner of Snowflake, which just went public last year, and they're they're continuing to do great things. He no longer is operational there. He actually, in the 80s, um, left and uh, worked for the government for a while. And then came back and became the uh, only VC in India. Um, and then, and so he was the first VC to start an Indian-based venture fund um, in late, like early 90s, I want to say, mid-90s, oh, wow. something like that. And then my dad, uh, in, in, in 86, started a venture fund. Uh, sometimes the thing that people don't know about my dad is, like, they, they, he, he, before he actually had, like, a team and stuff behind him, he was actually a solo, he was a VC for seven years before he had, like, a team and a partner and, like, all that stuff, uh, which w was not necessarily a popular thing to do at the time. Everyone was investment bankers. So, uh, and so he's a VC, he's been a VC for a long time. Uh, he created the first, um, network of venture capitalists. So he created an affiliate program where at the, at its peak had 27 different venture funds across the world, uh, all over the w world. So China and, uh, I mean, there were like 20 in the U S so all over the country that he was able to see deal flow from, but they were all independent little vehicles. And, mm -hmm. uh, so he was the first networked VC fund. Um, and then I, I founded boost VC and we were the first fund to focus on uh, cryptocurrency about 10 years ago. Um, my, okay. my, my brother worked at Facebook for a little bit. He, he ended up working with my dad and found Robin hood, uh, for my dad, um, and uh, which was a big win. Um, and he is a very product-oriented and focused uh, investor. Very, uh, he definitely understands products and early teams better than anyone on the planet. And then my older sister started Halogen 
Ventures, which is uh, they own they primarily back female founders, and her whole mission has always been to support and invest in um, and create more female women leaders in the world. Uh, and that's been her mission since she was a media company 15 years ago, and it evolved into what became a venture fund. So we all go at different ways and paces and uh, stuff. And then I, I over time have become, um, I see so many different movements that are sparking in the world today. And I like finding these uh, small niche communities and being able to support them through the hard times. And so we eventually branched out of just crypto and we added uh, virtual reality and we, we've done space deals and rocket jetpacks and exoskeletons. And, and all of that together we realized wasn't any specific category, uh, but there is this essence of what is sci-fi, building a better future. And so we have branded ourselves uh, the accelerator for sci-fi. Our mission is to accelerate that sci-fi future and find all these bright sparks that are trying, these uh, spirited individuals who are trying to change the world. Very cool. That must have been a hell of a monopoly game when you were younger. Did you all participate? Yeah, it was fun. Well, I, I think, my, I mean, my, obviously my dad, uh, was a huge influence on all of us uh and he knew how to incentivize us and surround us with really interesting things like talk around the dinner table was often talking about network effects and uh how founders are doing these amazing things uh i didn't necessarily want to be a venture capitalist when i was growing up i wanted to be a professional tennis player uh and i am not so so (laughs) i'm a failed professional tennis player turned venture capitalist um and I, I just realized, so I started a company in 2008, 2009. So hardest time to start a fintech company. I started a fintech mm-hmm. company. Uh, it was called Expert Financial. It was a secondary market for private securities. And I just learned a lot by starting a business. And you become very understanding of the entrepreneurial journey when you're going straight through it i failed after well we failed after four and a half years i learned a lot and we were a broker dealer we did transact securities but at the end of the day we couldn't figure out how to make enough money to cover costs and so we ran out of money i found uh that i was able to help people not make the same mistakes i did and i really loved that i saw when uh when the light flips on, when you've like really actually helped someone, like mm-hmm. that sort of is what energizes me. Uh, and and so I was like, how do I make this a bigger piece of my, my life? Um, and mentoring startups in bulk was called an accelerator, so I launched an accelerator. Um, yeah. Some of my earliest investments, were actually two of them just went public this year. One was Coinbase, which right. uh, was sort of the first uh, high brand value crypto company. Mm-hmm. And then Amplitude was another company that I seeded in uh, before Coinbase, actually, like probably six months before. So I did about 20 deals before I started Boost VC. And then I started Boost VC, and we've since invested in about 320 companies. 
um, and we've been able to help a lot of people through their early days of starting a business. Good stuff. And so uh, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about startups, but I think actually I'm going to lean a little more into the, uh, the other side of your world, which is the, the closeted side, I guess you could say. So tell me about the, you said superheroes and board games, right? That's what you grew up on? Yeah. Yeah, so the superhero part. Oh, I'd love to hear okay. like, where that originated. Uh, where is my... Well, I mean, the, a quick story from me. Oh, this is actually very relevant. Wait, where is it? Where is it? Here it is. Uh, so in, uh, it was when I was about six, four, five, six. We went to, uh, we had always like read comic books, but we went to a, uh, a comic book store and it was going out of business. Uh, okay. And it was in Menlo Park. And they were selling each comic for five cents. And so, uh, so my dad said, okay, you can have, I don't know, it was like, if you carry it back, I think the rule was if you could carry it, you yeah. could buy it, which okay. is like, you know, five cents per comic. It's pretty cheap. And so, yeah, it, yeah. so like, I was like, okay, I am going to get every like comic. So I got two short boxes of comic books and I, you know, carried it and it was a lot. It was, a, it's like a two mile walk back. So it's like it was 10 like bucks of comics, fun. but it's like, you know, easily 40 yeah. pounds. <laughs> yeah. It was like very, and you know, I'm like. I was probably six, seven. Like I wasn't old at this time, yeah, yeah. and so I was like trying, you know, giving my best <laughs> effort, and I did it. Um, and the and maybe I was a couple, of, like a little older. But what I did end up getting was uh, Alpha Flight one through uh, I don't know seventy five. Like all of the Alpha, Alpha Flight. No one knows Alpha Flight. It's the Canadian no. X Men. Uh, it's the X-Men of Canada. Speci like, one for one, like, all the characters are basically the wow. X-Men, except, like, Canadian versions. Uh, so, obviously, more polite. Um, and the... Uh, you know you're, and, you know you're and, pitching and, this to a Canadian, right? And I don't even know Alpha Flight. <laughs> I'm, I'm, actually, I'm actually recording this from Canada, and I, I do not know Alpha Flight, but I and love... So, so, actually, recently, because of this story, I just bought uh, the Alpha Flight number one, and created oh, 9.8 and the uh and so uh, so i would say the beginning was like i had access to because at a very low cost which was like i think my dad i don't know spent probably 20 bucks and i think he even gave the guy a little extra money just because he was closing so down and clearance sales aren't yeah. awesome like for yeah. the person who's running it yeah. and the uh and so he so so we bought like so many comic books and so I always had like access to these stories and those stories were like huge in my like life and development. Um, and, and so then in, I'll give you each of the times when comic books came into my life, my dad also knows how to incentivize me. And so in 1992, I was not necessarily learning to swim, but he wanted me to be a good swimmer. And he said, uh, every time you swim a hundred laps in a pool, you get, uh, one pack of Marvel Masterpiece cards. And so I swam like a thousand laps and got that summer and got like, you know, 10 packs of cards, at which, by the way, definitely not worth it. Now, I was like, going to say, but I'm a good swimmer now. So, like, I, 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 like he, he did know how to incentivize me at that time. And yeah. I have this thing where when I commit to something, I just keep mm -hmm. going until I hit it. Like, I think that that was a big part of exactly what he coached me into there. Mm. 
in college. And by the way, comics were uh, persistent throughout my life. Like whenever I was, I don't know, like it was either reading fantasy sci-fi books or comic books. And so I would like throughout my entire life. But in college, uh, there was a comic book store called Secret Stash that was uh, created by uh, Kevin Smith, who started, I don't know if you know, like Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back or or Clerks or like Mall Rats, like all those um, and and so C- Secret Stash was like his branded comic book store, and it was in uh, went to UCLA, and I was there so much that I uh, was asked to for if I wanted a job, uh, and and I I turned it down because I was like, hey, I'm not going to be here through the summer. Like you're going to need people through the summer, and uh, but then I realized, oh, I really was interested. I was there so much that it was, <laughs> I mean, I was spending a lot of money like as a college kid on yeah, comic yeah. books. Um, and then my first job, uh, was one of my earliest jobs. I was a tennis instructor for a long time, like 12 years, but one of my earliest jobs was, uh, at boom studios, which is a comic book creator company. They create comic books. Um, and I was a telemarketer. I would call all the retail stores to figure out if the comics were selling well. Uh, and so comic book people are a very specific type of person and I had to get to get good at sort of speaking to uh, these comic book people which I am one so it's made it easier um, I and then over time I ju- I've just like always accepted that the things that existed in these comic books were real I don't know how deep you want to go on my comic books I'm giving let's you like, go, let's go. a we can lot go down the rabbit of hole. comic book we can go history down the rabbit of hole. Adam Draper you just, so you just gave me a recently, good cliffhanger there yeah. <laughs> yeah. Re- but but like recent recently, I uh, so in the last like couple years, um, I had started to sort of collect uh, nicer comic books. So like I, I I had always just had them to read. Like right on actually in this room is my comic book library, and it's four shelves of comic books, and then uh, that I can read. So right next to me is are all my comic books. Um, right. And it's you know it's not huge, but actually, oh four shelves of comic books and then here I'll, I can even turn this. I, I don't know. If, <laughs> I was gonna say is it possible? But, okay, so those are all comic books, and then got comic it. books lining the shelves up there. So I got, I got comic books on comic books for days. <laughs> Story checks. And there. the and and but I I, I started to I was like oh, you know like if, if if I had all the money in the world what what would I buy? And I was like, I don't know, maybe like a really rare comic book, like Action Comics One, which is like Superman, the first appearance of Superman. And I was like, but my favorite comic isn't Superman. My favorite comic is this Invincible comic, um, and it's it's made by uh, Skybound, published by Image, and it's uh, just a great take on the idea of if Superman had a kid, uh, and then um. like, and Superman's. I don't want to give it away, but if Superman's plans were actually to take over the world, not save it. Uh, uh-huh. that, and that's sort of like what the thesis of it is. There's a there's a show on uh, Amazon Prime that is this comic series, so I highly recommend it. I think it's like the best. It's very bloody. Don't watch it with your kids. Um, and and I was like, and so you know, along my life, I had been very just involved in reading comic books. I think I get a lot of good ideas. I think it makes it sort of trains. It's like working out your imagination, right? Like, I mm-hmm. think what whoever can do the most reps of anything becomes the best at it. Um, mm-hmm. And so, like, I'd say the reps I do is really about, like, 
imagining worlds and it makes it way easier for me to like fathom what a founder can do uh faster and like what we say at boost vc is we believe first like and we can accept the world that the founder is pitching us faster than most people um and we like say we like thinking that we do believe first and that's what's been sort of the key to our success up till now um and so i i had this comic book and so i bought a rare i bought the rare comic uh, and then I realized that I actually knew the person who uh, built the company that sort of owns the IP for this comic. And I, was, I ended up talking to them. And now I'm actually a, on the board of the comic, that, of the company that owns the, the comic book. So I, yeah. they also own the rights to The Walking Dead. Uh, yeah, uh, Robert Kirkman is sort of this like brilliant uh, creator of characters and universes. And has uh, and he's the creator of Walking Dead, Invincible, and a, and a lot of other IP that's really really exciting. And so I'm on this board. Also, it turns out at the same time, comic books and trading cards have become an alternative asset class in the world where collectibles have actually achieved this level of uh, value. Yeah. And it's just sort of correlated with my life. And we just uh invested in a company called shortbox which mm-hmm. uh is a uh it's a comic book collectible marketplace um and i'm incredibly excited to be a part of th- that that team and being able to support it because i'm not only passionate about it but i actually understand that market better oh, you're a power people. user so like so that long story short comics are awesome well, so take so I, I I love I love the deep background, and can you walk me through like I'm coming at it from you know, novice place here. So what are the factors that go into the value of a comic book? You know, if like is it okay? Yeah. That's a great question. Okay, first I got to meet Stan Lee before he passed, uh, wow. and which was awesome uh so i i met someone and this is also about just like you know putting things out there i was meeting i was pitching someone for boost vc i was trying to raise money and it it was it was this woman named holly cow and she's like an amazing human and i saw that she was on the board of stan lee's foundation and i was like oh that's really great stan lee's like one of the three people i want to meet in the world and literally i have three people on the bucket list and it's stan lee jk rowling who did harry potter and yeah. uh and then the the south park guys um uh, and uh, like i think that that they basically world creators right and so yeah. i ended up being able to through her set up a lunch and i brought my dad because we both are obsessed with comic books and we sat and we had a two-hour lunch with stan lee and oh, it was so amazing cool. yeah. uh and the thing that he told me uh he said you i said I was like, you know, I was thinking of questions for like weeks. And like the question I ended up saying was like, how did you do you continue to create these universes and stories uh, like for years, like ongoingly? And what he said was universes are easy. Stories are easy. I've spent 70 years designing characters Hmm. and. I've thought very deeply about that ever since where really the value of each story ends up being who those characters are and he built flawed characters. He wanted characters who actually were going through human problems. 
this is the reason Marvel was able to actually outperform DC over the last like while was because mm-hmm. they had characters that others could relate to. They were going through problems. Um, Spider Spider Man's whole thesis was basically like, kid uh, gets superpowers, lots of problems in his personal life. Like that was right. his pitch, basically. Yeah. And the uh, and so first. It needs to be a character that creates a community and the world can empathize with. So, like, you're asking about the value of the comic book. So, Spider-Man has created this value that is intangible to the community. Like, the brand is known globally now. Like, every country, if you bring up Spider-Man, there is Spider-Man something. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the, The second thing is scarcity. So, scarcity is, like, how many were actually printed, how many still exist in the world. Uh, some people may know that the first Spider-Man is not actually like Amazing Spider-Man 1. It is Amazing Fantasy 15 because Stan Lee snuck the storyline into a dying comic book uh, and it took oh. off. And, and yeah, so, you know, like, Didn't I know, it was a startup out of a startup. Um, and, and so he snuck it in uh, without his manager's approval. And it did really well, and the manager came back and goes, you remember that character that you and I built together? Uh, <laughs> and and, and, and he, he's like, that's when I knew I could not work for other people. Um, yeah, and yeah. he, uh, and so scarcity, so there's a distribution that is actually like counted for every comic book. So like Invincible, the very first Invincible, there were 10,000 prints of okay. that uh, comic book. And actually we have better metrics on it now, which allows for you to figure out what the scarcity of an actual comic is. I'll give knowledge drop right now, which yeah. is one of the uh, most surprisingly rare comic books is Ninja Turtles number one. They did a limited print of like 400 comic books, yeah. uh, which brings me to the next. And that's the reason that if you find a Ninja Turtles number one that is good condition, which is the last value set that you need to make yeah. it determine the value of a, of a comic book, um, is it, it's very difficult because there were so few that were in that limited print. It was, I don't yeah. know what the exact number of 400, 800, uh, but there's so few that are at like the 9.8 level. So it's a zero to 9.8 is essentially the grading scale. For some reason, no one does 10.0. I don't understand why. They're just assuming like 0.2 is life. So you drive the car uh, off the lot, right? The minute you drive the car off the parking lot or off the, it, out of the dealership. It's, hey, it's out of the lot now. That's exactly, exactly. what it is. Yeah. Uh, and so it's it's scarcity and grade and then yeah. uh, what characters are long, long-term enduring like brands. So that's fascinating. Yeah. So the complex, so I, I never would have guessed the complexity slash depth or what have you of the character would be like a dominant factor in the equation. So, yeah. So like, I mean, amazing. So amazing fantasy 15 there, there were yeah. probably a lot of prints originally. So there were probably, you know, 50,000 prints, but it's been 70 years since yeah. that was first published. So you have to assume 80% of them are thrown in trash cans, especially because comic books weren't valuable. And then yeah. the remaining 20% are in crappy condition. So if you find a 9.8 that's graded by CGC, which is the company that grades comic books, um, of an actual Amazing Fantasy 15, like mm. you're one of one who owned that. Like there no one, there's no one else who owns that. And so you, there's no one else who has such a high quality grade. Now the, fu- 
I mean, I will say the funniest thing is, you know, my wife and and some sometimes her friends will come in and they'll say, "So, do you ever read those comic books?" Like because they're in they're in sure. bags, they're in these things. They're in you these things. Nine point eight, like, right? Yeah, there so, you go. So there is a division between collecting comic books and reading comic books, and I am that division. I do both. Some people gotcha. just collect. Got it. So I'm now I'm super curious because the art would seem to be spotting these characters early right we can go back and do you know a historical retrospective on which characters establish these huge franchises and brand values etc uh, but now i'm i really want to know of the you know the films or the books that are coming out today can you spot them can you see them like what's a character that's in okay. today's oh this is yeah. a great, this is a great question because think about it, think about this though uh today yeah every movie is a superhero movie right yeah exactly like every single movie so like the value that's been created for these characters and the distribution that's been created for these characters is billions of dollars worth now mm -hmm. like huge now marvel 20 years ago was bankrupt uh they were going out of business mm -hmm. uh and they like desperately were trying to find a way to make money they thought they were a comic book company. What they are is an IP company, and all of the all of these creators, and the, this leads to like why the internet's amazing, why Web three's amazing, why like all this stuff is coming. Mm -hmm. It's because the creator has more direct access to their fans than ever before, yeah. and like you can distribute something and it can resonate with ten people, hundred people, thousand people. Uh, at a scale that has never been seen before now like mm. it's insane like everyone knows thor and iron man now when i was when i was like in high school no one cared who thor and iron man were in fact mm. I, I don't even, like it, in college that people started asking me questions so like it, they started asking me questions about the characters and the backstories and like who was a bigger player who would win in a fight like you know things that you would yeah, yeah. debate about on weekends in college um this is making me feel sound very nerdy, and I'm okay with that. Um, the there's a great quote that someone said, which is, uh, "Thanks for calling me a nerd. That just means I'm interested in stuff." Um, the I like that. the uh, I okay. So, but think about that. And so, actually, there's a whole battle where Sony actually owns the rights to Spider-Man. Uh, and yeah. so this is like a huge constant battle between Disney making Spider-Man stuff and Sony making Spider-Man stuff. And so they, the most recent was a collaboration between Sony and Marvel with, with, because they don't own the, they own the film rights or something. They own something very specific, media rights for Spider-Man. And okay. that was a part of selling so that they could finance a movie so that they could bring, get, sell more comic books. Then they mm -hmm. realized that they're an IP company. And so they, Iron Man was the first uh, movie that they financed themselves and it went off. It was like, the, yeah. you know, the, it was a hugely successful movie that ended up being the core of the franchises that followed. And that was right when uh, Marvel got bought by Disney. So Disney bought Marvel for $55 billion, $5 billion, mm. which is steal. a steal, yeah. a steal. Like thinking of that today, steal. Um, so that, so am I, I guess this is sort of commenting on like 
the value of these characters is determined over such long periods of time and mm-hmm. I still feel are undervalued the cultural the cultural of impact these characters have on the world when you walk through cities yeah. all you see are kids wearing superhero t-shirts all you see are like these kids are going to go throughout their next 20 years of life mm-hmm. having admired superheroes which is so crazy but that also means that we are undervaluing to the nth degree the impact that these characters have on the world um and so i think i mean uh, my hot take is i think disney is probably the most valuable company on the planet that is still valuable but they own like the ip to everything Hmm. yeah you know what i'm starting to also like question whether my definition of superhero might be too narrow when you said you know every movie is a superhero for example I went from a place of these fantasy characters like an Iron Man, etc., that might have existed on paper and now come to the big screen to maybe like a broader definition where, you know, Bruce Willis and Unbreakable or like Matt uh, Matt Damon and Jen J- who as Jason Bourne or something like that. Which are also their character driven superhero stories, right? Like yeah. they focus on like this guy who is unbreakable, who was found by a guy who's very breakable. Yeah. Uh, the yeah no it's it's and so that that's i like that i like i like the idea of the the idea of superheroes being just something supernatural Mm. in the universe which definitely drives 90 percent of hollywood right now and and so you know hot topic for sure but like try to draw me a, a decently robust connection here between these things that have existed in this very like uh tangible form factor to sort of the NFT space, which you're obviously intimately familiar with, having been part of, you know, the crypto scene for so long. How do you how do you pull those things together, or how does one piggyback the other? Well, first I'll say I'm not like a mastermind who knew what I was doing from the beginning and was like, oh yes, of course, Bitcoin's going to revolutionize IP. Like I didn't <laughs> see that connection. Uh, but over time, I believe. I mean, I see the potential of NFTs and I'm already seeing how it, I mean, it is changing art. It's changing the way that creators distribute. It's changing the way that creators think about building. It's sort Mm -hmm. of like, I mean, it gives you control of your own IP or it allows you to control who actually owns that IP. So it's, uh, so from my okay non fungible tokens I don't know who's listening so like I should Go probably define non fungible yeah. tokens what crypto gave us was scarcity on the internet mm-hmm. uh, so we could have one of something and verifiably prove that on the internet mm-hmm. what non fungible tokens do are allow you to link media to that token so right. you could have an image or a video or a music file that are all tethered to a unique number of that asset so if i'm a musician i record a a, like a great song i could control i could hold one the master uh like album but i could also issue a hundred others and i could sell those to other people and if people love the music and spotify loves the music we can all get paid essentially through a smart contract um while yours is probably more valuable you can still share that issuance of the the uh the creation so that you can finance your life to create more music or to create different art um and and so i i think that this is a huge change in how society will work 
it's just right now is the beginning. So we, we've seen growth cycles of crypto um, yeah. like multiple times. So it goes in these uh, shelves. It goes like straight up and then drops a little bit straight up, drops a little bit straight up, drops a little stuff. But it's two to three years in between each. Now, yeah. I think NFTs are undervalued on a 15 year time frame, no matter what. Like this is going to change the way games are made, movies are made. Uh, content is made, characters are developed. I think the exciting thing about, and here I'll go through the different types of NFTs. So NFTs, I believe there are three of them. Mm-hmm. The first one is gaming. And so gaming, it's, you can imagine Pokemon having mm-hmm. scarce number of specific characters in their game. If you, if you collect it and build up that value set of that character, suddenly the really cool thing was if my Bulbasaur I could play it in Pokemon, but the same Bulbasaur I could play in Street Fighter. Rather than just committing all my data to one game, I could have the same character that's sort of uh, interoperable, is what they call that, interoperability. Um, And then also there's Axie Infinity's the success story right now that's about play to earn. So you Mm -hmm. list, basically, as I'm a player, I I earn tokens. And then I can actually sell those tokens on the market. Uh, mm-hmm. which is an incredibly exciting like people are playing video games and making money for their family like that's crazy to me. um in, it's a in the network world. so the second type is what i call n of one nfts which is right. uh what people does so people uh he creates one one piece of artwork or 20 uh, in a yeah. drop and he sells them and it's the n of ones are more about moving old world art business model online and that's Mm -hmm. very exciting because it's definitely the easiest way easiest to understand for new creators it's just saying Mm -hmm. hey there's a larger audience i actually can sell this one thing or 15 things on the internet that's awesome like that's super super exciting um and then the the third one uh i call one of n nfts which is uh what what i would like board apes is a good example which is uh, you, what they've done is created 10,000 similar, but not exactly the same board apes. And we are all a part of this board ape community, but I want my board ape to be better than everyone else's. So I could build a business around my board ape. I could have my, the brand of my board ape, the story of my board ape be a superhero who like conquers the world. And that helps board apes as a community, but it also makes mine better where other people are doing different things. This one has the best, you know, uh, like there is running a barber shop. This one is, you know, whatever the, the board ape yeah, thing yeah. Um, But it's a, it's a new way of developing IP. So back to your question about how IP, how crypto is changing this world of uh, IP and characters. I believe that board apes is a bootstrap Disney. And I think that over the next 20 years, we're going to see a huge change in how characters are developed and universes are developed. So I think it's exciting. I never thought about Bored Apes as a bootstrap Disney. That is fascinating. So, you know, this might be like a, a novice question, but give me the mechanics here. You, you own some pretty rare comic books. Mm-hmm. Who gets to decide how to bring those on chain, how to, how to turn those into NFTs? Is that, can, can, you, can you catalyze that? Great a, question. As, okay, so there, well, this is a whole like other bag of worms, but the, uh, Okay, so distribution is in comic books is controlled by very specific people 
generally. So they're publishers, mm-hmm. but then there's actually a distributor, and the distributor is actually a monopoly called Diamond Comics. Okay. Uh, Diamond. Diamond. It's Diamond, I, but it's basically like they are the only, the sole distribution of comic books to retailers wow. in the United States, which is crazy. It's wild. Like that crazy that they have such a power, like a powerful spot. Um, yeah. And and it's, you know, it's a pretty, even in re- retail, it's still a pretty great business to be in distribution. So controlling distribution ends up being a really, really big deal. Uh, so, so that adds to who controls distribution on the internet, who controls distribution in the world of NFTs. Right. And the distribution on the internet, uh, there are a couple people who have worked out deals. It's sort of like the same way that Steve Jobs worked out an iTunes deal to be distribution, mm-hmm. legit distribution online. Um, mm-hmm. So Comixology, which is now owned by Amazon, was, uh, wow, I know a lot about comic books. You know a lot That's about comic realizing. books, dude. Yeah, it's I great. I a lot of random time uh, doing this. Okay. Uh, I backed one called graphically that didn't end up turning out, but basically what people care about is whether or not you have Wolverine comics, right? Like mm-hmm. they don't care if it's Marvel or DC, they care that their character is on your app. And so comiXology was able to aggregate most of those comic books to mm-hmm. the app. And that's all of it. So comiXology, I believe maybe it's not only distribution, but for web two based distribution, Comixology owns most of the distribution. Marvel has its own app. DC has its own app. But the one that gets everything is sort of like this Comixology app. Or was. Now, NFTs are really interesting because uh, it's a new way of distributing directly to your creator base, your fan base. And mm-hmm. so uh, I think I think we're just going to see a new way of building these characters and also, you you know what Patreon did? Patreon is a pretty cool example of creators getting financed by their community. They yeah. made it so that people really could just think, hey, I don't need to build a billion dollar business. I need a thousand people to be giving me, you know, a hundred bucks yeah. a month. And, that and like, yeah, exactly. And suddenly I'm making a significant amount of money. And like, that's and and so that they could finance all of their creation. So creators are the econo- an economy inside themselves. So I think Web three takes that to the next level, where cre- it's it, your fans aren't only just buy, like paying you to to keep doing what you're doing. They mm. become stakeholders of what you're doing. Like they get to actually own upside in you developing your own ecosystems. If mm. you like one person or stakeholder in the community as a club to be a part of it so like you i think board apes is sort of a you're a stakeholder in the community you get to help create the value system you get to help create the ip rules the um, character development like all that stuff so i think i think it's it's cool it's cool so my answer is (laughs) it's it's open-ended right now i think that the where you wouldn't have wanted to be in the comic business 20 years ago because no one had figured out IP. You want to be in the comic book business right now because it's where the best imaginations are headed. Yeah. And it, and now that there are a bunch of tools to connect the imaginations to fans all over the world, suddenly the comic book business is probably the most valuable business on the planet if you can control 
the IP in some capacity, whether it's with the community or yeah. you figure out how to like incentivize people to be a part of it. So that's that is I, fascinating. Yeah. So so it's really not the comic book business; it's the superhero business that we're that we're talking about. It's the superhero the business. You want to be in the superhero business? Got it. You, okay. you want so to go got, fight crime? So now I'm an avid yeah. investor, right? Like I like to I like to learn quickly, take some risk, and uh, you've given me a good lay of the land. I'm not entirely sure where to start without losing my shirt, right? So, how how do you how do you invest? How, would, how do you think about how this should like portfolio I like tell someone to allocate? Yeah, like uh, even just even within the world of superheroes or comic books, like so. How do you not okay. lose your shirt? I mean, this is how I think about all markets, right? Like, um, mm-hmm. you can define most markets by blue chips and startups. Okay. Right, like. There's the ones that are enduring businesses that will always be there, like Spider-Man and Superman. And, like, there are these characters who are the Apple and Microsoft of the, like, comic book world uh, that you can basically say, hey, in 10 years this thing's going to be there. And, you know, subject to horrible inflation or whatever, the, like, comic book is going to go up in value because Mm -hmm. more will die off, basically. And I will Mm -hmm. be one of... 50 people who own this thing i think comic books are sort of like the art of today where like i don't care so much about historical picasso paintings but i care a lot about owning early comic books and like i think for some people that's art to them like this scarce number of i know about this story i know how big it's impacted the world like i'm i'm excited about it um so my answer is for collecting for investing go to short boxed which we've invested in uh, yeah. and, and it's an addicting app where you're just sort of like, oh yeah, like I know these characters and like, I, but just like in any asset class, come up with a thesis. So like, be like, okay, I think that, uh, the, you, you, okay. So normally you want to buy some first appearances of specific characters that are either going to be big deals or right. uh, already big deals. And people haven't really realized that they're a big deal yet. Yeah. And, um, yeah. By, by the way, my my partner Brayton Williams has actually started collecting more comic books than I do, which is crazy to me. And wow. he and he w- was not a comic book collector, and now it's getting him to read comics, which is like I'm like, oh well, I succeeded in my mission to get comic books yeah. everywhere on the planet. Um, because he, he's definitely when we first met, like there's no way he would have thought about reading a comic book, and now he's like now he's now he's collecting. He's, high, he, he's yeah, a he's stakeholder. He's supply he's, now, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's like, well, if I own this comic, I want to know the story behind the comic, mm-hmm. like why the thing was created or whatever. Um, so first appearances are probably the best way to sort of like edge in as an mm-hmm. investable asset. I I think that trading cards spiked during the pandemic and comic books didn't. And it was sort of an interesting thing that happened where it was like, so trading cards, because no one could watch sports mm-hmm. and uh, there was no, so there was no gambling on sports. Everyone yeah. went to their attic and looked if they had trading cards and they started listing them all on, on eBay and they realized they could make money by sort of like trading up these cards. Yeah. Um, and so I, how I think about investing always is own the blue chips uh, and then make your best thesis you can on everything else. And okay. so the and so in my head, it's like if you have the capacity, yeah, you should try to. I don't own an Amazing Fantasy 15, but if you can, you should try to buy mm-hmm. an Amazing Fantasy 15 because Spider Man's gonna be around a while. Like I, I'm I'm bullish on Spider Man. 
I <laughs> like in general. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> so I like that. But, and and then I would say Invincible is still in this middle ground of like, it's it's been around for twenty years, but it just got its TV show. Mm-hmm. So it's like early on the up. I don't I don't want you to go buy those though. I want to buy more of them. So okay. we'll do, don't do that. Right don't now. do Invincible. That's not gonna, Walking that's not Dead. Let's talk about Walking Dead. Walking Dead, you could go yeah. and you you could buy, and you're like, okay, it's been it's been on TV for eight years. Like, I think that there'll be more like categories that are spun off of this. Like, I see this being valuable over the next whatever amount of time. Now, your original question, which I haven't even gotten to, is what who is going to determine how to tether these things to a blockchain? Yeah, and th- uh, the industry itself is trying to figure that out right now. How? Because there's so many different ways that they can use NFTs to their advantage, but it's really about figuring out what their NFT-like strategy is overall. Um, yeah. And it's, I think it's really exciting. I think you could retroactively tag them to a blockchain too. Like, I think yeah, it'll be, yeah, like ver- verif- verified comic books on the blockchain. And like, you know, maybe one bad one sneaks by, but I don't think so. Like, there's so many different, like, CGC is probably the best, but they're a centralized verifier. If they've been verified through that process, I generally trust that that is a comic, right? Like I did that that's a real comic. Well, there's an interesting um, custody question too, right? So like, let's just say I own a comic book on the blockchain, but one of the one of the factors around the price of that comic book is its condition, and I bought it off you, and it's currently sitting on the floor of your your other room over there, right? Like completely. How do we? Yeah, okay. And that's so that's why they're always cased in these proprietary slabs, so no one can actually read them. Uh, the, uh, I, 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 but I I also agree. And if that gets shaken up a little bit, it could damage the edges. Like if I yeah. do it this or something with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think it's. It, I mean, I think it's interesting. Maybe grade becomes less important than just owning the thing and being a part of that club. So, like, yeah. the actual quality becomes less important than uh, just, like, being a part of it, I think. I don't know. They, I think we're going to see some in- interesting things. We're collecting in real world, like, quality matters so much. It's basically the only thing that matters on top of what you have. So, it's what you yeah. have and quality. Um, I, f- I feel but, like I'm, um, now, I'm, I'm seeing museums as, like, a, a physical world analog clearinghouse. Do you, see, do you know what I mean? Yeah. For, yeah. Oh, I... I see. I have never really enjoyed walking through a museum. If it was a museum of comic books or sports trading cards, I would yeah. be there every day, because <laughs> I think it would be super interesting. Uh, and I mean, understanding the history of it, but then and the impact they've made, and then showing where it started. Like I think that's what art is all about, right? Like it's yeah. showing the beginning of something that was great, and then showing yeah. the development over time and what happened. And yeah. I, I don't think anyone's really done it no there might be a comic book museum in like pittsburgh i, I heard about but the okay. um, yeah so cool uh yeah long so long story short uh buy, buy some comic books <laughs> so last question i was digging around and i came across something called super smash which feels like uh the on-ramp to the metaverse and uh you're, you're you're a super smash fighter is that what am I? Is that I, am, am I getting that right? So, 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 okay. Talk about comic books and other things that I've committed to in my life, as far as like becoming 
a better person. An, yeah, sure. That's a good way of putting it. I was just thinking like a. I don't like the word expert because I never think I'm an expert in anything, and I like learning more. So like I, but I would say things that I've spent enough time on that I might know more than the average human. Okay. Super Smash Brothers for the N64 is definitely one of those. Uh, so in, it came out in probably 99, 2000, and I played it. I don't even think I played it when it came out. I wasn't really an N64 player, but then in high school I went to uh, Phillips Academy Andover. Uh, on the East Coast, and everyone in this one dorm, Peace House, uh, was playing Super Smash Brothers. And so I, I became best friends with like everyone in the house. And the and so we just like every day after history class, I would go back over to Peace House and I would be playing Super Smash. And then it got to the point where we like got really good and it was sort of why we hung out was just, not why but like we, we liked each other but like we, it was all about who's the best player all the time and we mm-hmm. could play for three hours at a time i also got very good at mario kart but like that's a that was a separate ex- ex- expedition now fast forward to college turned out I had a group of friends who played super smash brothers for the n64 got really good in college uh and then when i uh partnered with brayton williams my partner it turned for, for boost vc turns out he's really good at super smash brothers for the n64 so mm-hmm. we we the only game we play is super smash brothers we are not good at anything else and for the n64 specifically uh even though we i have a switch at home and like all with my kids they they get to play um but the n6 n64 has followed me this whole time and who we play is it's brayton versus me we don't play against anyone else really and it's okay. just uh ness versus ness uh, and that's all we do. We do Ness versus Ness because Ness is the most uh, nuanced character. If you're going to play it for the N64, like uh, you, the complexity, like, like I would say, if you're a beginner, I know you play with Kirby because that's probably the best beginner character. And so mm-hmm. when people say they play with Kirby, I know I can beat them. Um, and then when they uh, when they say Pikachu, I'm unsure because okay. if you're good with Pikachu, you're probably the best player. Um, but if you're, I'm going way too deep. Into barbell, this, barbell strategy. To, to but the, <laughs> but basically, like Ness is this nuanced player where you actually have to develop specific skills to like be good. And so if yeah. someone's playing with Ness, I know that they played similar number of hours to what I've played, which is uh, embarrassing. <laughs> I won't make you quote it. Um, I want to give you. Uh, I want to ask you one more thing, which is um, I'm fascinated by everyone's portfolio construction, especially the weirder it gets. So, you know, this is a little bit, we're in a world of like postmodern portfolio theory at this point. So can you give us like the shape of yours and sort of maybe put some percentages around it? You can, you can put anything in there, anything you think is, is valuable to your future. I mean, uh, at the end of the day, yeah, 90% crypto, something like that, 80% yeah. crypto yeah. in some capacity or another and then everything else is startups it's but boost like yeah. it's just yeah, boost. Yeah. like it's whatever i'm doing with boost yeah, uh crypto. the rest like i would love if comic books were a big percentage but it's actually just not that big of a market so it couldn't it's it's more difficult to allocate like i think it's a great investment on a small amount of money basically like, yeah it's not small yeah. but like some amount of money mm-hmm. um because i think that it is a good store of value i believe that collectors are always going to want to collect spider-man 
Like, I think collectors are always going. So it's a pretty good bet that you'll be able to find one other person who wants to buy it, um, which is what a market's all about. It's about finding the one person who actually wants to buy the thing. And don't forget um, a couple baseball cards that are a thousand bucks or so. Yeah, you're making me feel like I, I should be more diversified, but I, I went, I, you know, I, I would, yeah, it, that's pretty much my allocation. I'm, I'm very bullish on the future of, I mean, Web3, mm. uh, and I hope, but in, in the, the way I, I'm thinking about it is like, that's the state of today, right? Like my, my portfolio really represents what is valuable today and like, Web3 and crypto, Bitcoin, is valuable today. Now, yeah. I believe that like our rocket company launcher is going to be really valuable, and I hope that that becomes a bigger, significant part of the portfolio. And my uh, my like nuclear fission company becomes a bigger part of the portfolio as it grows. Like mm-hmm. right now, I would say because we were early in crypto, and we backed 110 crypto-related right. startups. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm just asymmetric. Like I'm asymmetrically pointed in that direction because at the very beginning of my career I that was all I was doing and so now all that stuff's more realized but I've been investing in other things throughout the time so it th- that that was helpful for me to think of through why that is but it is, that cool. is how it is yeah I'm thinking about how I'm going to build my portfolio of superheroes Adam thank you so much for making time uh, totally fascinating I do not know anyone who knows as much about comic books as you do so you have that. I guess I paid attention more than I thought I did. I, I recommend a book called Slugfest to anyone who actually wants to learn about the business of comics. I think it's probably the best historical book on the topic. Amazing. Adam Draper, Boost VC. Thanks again, Adam. Thanks so much for having me.